When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the first edition of 2017 of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It is Monday, January 2nd. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. And as always, didn't we just wrap up the, the podcast <laughs> last week and, and immediately news starts to hit for, for Notre Dame, as expected, as we said would happen. Mike Denbrock has left Notre Dame and taken the, the uh, coordinator's job at Cincinnati. Chip Long was a name that we did not... We were not in on. I'm not sure anybody really is or yes, was. Somebody tweeted me, are you hearing anything about Chip Long like two weeks ago? And I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and that was it. But it was just a random guy on Twitter. Um, Get a hold of him. Yeah, but as, as it turns From out. From Memphis. Yeah, yeah, as it turns out, O'Malley, uh, maybe we could have stumbled on that a little bit sooner. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I, yeah. I, uh, um, my cousin... Uh, has long been dating uh, an ex-Illinois uh, football player. She went to Notre Dame. He went to Illinois. They went to high school together. And uh, he's played under Chip Long at Illinois and sat down. To Actually, his position his coach. His position coach. No, tight, he was tight end, Eddie Valunas. And uh, he had nothing but good things to say. We put those on the uh, Four Horsemen Lounge, his his comments, just all complimentary of, of Coach Long, which um, it was funny. They were going to have a conversation about Coach Long taking the job prior to Christmas. Uh, some circumstances stopped that meeting from happening, and so I actually could have randomly been told by someone at Christmas dinner, hey, guess what? My ex-coach is going to be Notre Dame's <laughs> offensive coordinator. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> so, but that didn't work out. Anyway, he would have broke that story. Yeah, wow. accidentally, in a good way. But uh, no, he had nothing but complimentary things to say about him, and I thought it was interesting that a guy, you know, he's, he's I guess, 25, 26 now. I'm trying to picture it at his age. But, uh, mm-hmm. So he played for him under Zook, and uh, he brought up the fact that he'll be a great recruiter. And I thought it's interesting because ex-college football players yeah. don't care about coaches recruiting. They just yeah. care about how they were to them as, as a person, as a coach. And he just said he, he was the same with everyone, which I think is very important because at least one Notre Dame former coach, Charlie Molinar, was criticized by Notre Dame players later for not being the same with everyone. He was not the same with Michael Floyd and TJ Jones and things yeah. like that. He said that that this, I mean, that Chip Long is if you are a two star that's doing well, he could care less what you are. Five star, two star, they're all on even ground. And, and it's, now, it's, Chip Long did not actually recruit him to Illinois. No, is that no, correct? He, he just he yeah, did it's not. A, okay. became his position okay. coach. And, so he did. It wasn't a it wasn't a comment about a hands on recruiter. No, he just him. said you can you know the guy. He's just going to be a great recruiter. Um, and as it turns out, that is, seems to be the popular opinion. Do you think? Um, do you see similarities between? I mean, Chip Long and Mike Sanford, do you think they're getting a similar type rising yeah. star? I think you might have mentioned that, I don't know, in a tweet. I, or yeah. I mean, and I think that's, a, I think that's yeah. an accurate comparison just I, off the cuff. That's who I wanted them to hire for the next offensive coordinator, somebody from the Sanford mold that maybe you'd have for two or three years and then you move on to be a head coach somewhere else. Um, that's, that's what Notre Dame should be targeting because you're not going to get an established offensive coordinator here to run somebody else's offense. Like, that's just not going to work. I, I'm quite interested to see what happens with play calling. I 
I can't imagine Brian Kelly's not going to do it um, in a make-or-break season for him. So, to me, Chip Long, you know, he's a little bit more pass-first than I think probably um, a lot of fans would like. Um, You know, he's talked in the past about his offense needs to be physical, but he's a pass-short as an extension of the run game type guy. Um, certainly more creative than what Notre Dame's doing. I mean, you know, it's like just watch the Houston game and you see the stuff that they do offensively. Um, they, they do a little bit of everything. Um, and it, but a lot of it is based on the passing game, but it's, to me, it's, it's much more creative than what Notre Dame was doing last year. My interest for those situations is always to see if guys that come up through the ranks and have to be creative, continue that attack when they have the better athletes. Yeah, that Notre Dame gets. I know people lament not having Alabama's athletes, but Notre Dame has better athletes than Memphis and the Memphis gets, and that's so you you wonder how true he can stay to himself and meld it with Brian Kelly's approach. I mean, Tim, well, you, I, Tim, you mentioned passing to set up the run is what you see. Yeah, I mean, I think Pete and I are kind of saying the same thing, but I think a little bit differently because I, I don't know that I see it as an extension of the running game, which, which I don't I, think it which is. Which I don't, which okay. I don't agree. Which yeah. I I just don't I don't agree with that there. Uh, I, but I think it's more past to set up the run. The notion exists. We disagree with the notion. Yeah, I, don't, I disagree uh, with the notion of, of extension of the running game. It's not. It's not physical. How can it be an extension of that? But that's what's been said through the years. But it is. this is, I mean, he Chip Long is past to set up the run. Uh, you know, it seems to me, when I was watching the Memphis-Houston game, and 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 this it's the same same way with Notre Dame. You know, it's shotgun and everything's upright. The running game is just so upright, you know, and and and, and played standing straight up as opposed to bending your knees. I don't, I don't. I mean, I just don't like that. I don't like to see that in offense. And I and so the point is, he's a good fit for Brian Kelly because that's who he is. I mean, I, I'm curious to see how things change because you look at what he was doing at Memphis in the one year there. There was no Mike McGlinchey, no Quentin Nelson, no Brandon Wimbush, um, you know, no Josh Adams, Dexter Williams. Like, if your personnel's strength is more tight ends, offensive line, and running game, then I think you have to. You certainly would have to build around that. I'm curious to see how he takes some of his principles and applies that, where it's not just the threat of the run, but the actual run um, is a part of what they're doing. I mean, the, the Houston game, the second play is one of those read option double play action passes that's impossible to defend. It is. It, that's a it's great a play. I don't know why that play isn't used more. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I think uh, I want to see them do more of that and. But you looked at the way that game broke down for the quarterback because Riley Ferguson was a JUCO guy, committed to Tennessee, ultimately went JUCO, and then ended up in Memphis. And I think of his one, they attempted 45 passes, um, ultimately came back twice in the fourth quarter to win it. Uh, But I think of his 30 completions, 21 were five yards or less. That doesn't mean they're completions of five yards or less, but they were passes of five yards or less. And I think of those 21 short completions, nine of them ended up going for 10 or more yards. So I think there's some good play design there in terms of how they're getting the ball to space in people in short situations. You think that's a match? I mean, it's an attempt to match a young quarterback in Brandon Wimbush who, you know, at least starting out, you have him throw safer sure. passes. And, you know, yeah. and that's why when you, when you mention that, 
I think maybe there's a correlation there between a young quarterback and a, and a coordinator that likes to play a short passing game. Do you guys think when it comes down to it that it'll be similar to what he had with Jeff Quinn at Cincinnati where Long put <clears throat> Long puts together the game plan and Brian Kelly calls the game? I don't know. It's a good... That was a good question. That was I, kind of the dynamic. I think most people in our industry are supposing that. Yeah, and I and I'm not. Do we? Do we? I think we all assume it because he's on the you know on the proverbial hot seat, Brian Kelly. Though, right? Yeah. If they were yeah ten and two and made a change, right. we wouldn't be thinking that he was going to not let someone else. We, we don't well, think he's going to make a change after he won ten games. <laughs> forgot about that. He doesn't want to go down with the ship, is what we all think. He's yeah, he he's the guy. He's going he, to be he's his going, way. If he's going yeah. to if he's, he's going to go down with the ship, he's going to do it his way. Total sense too. So that's yeah. that's I guess that's why we look at it that way. Yeah, uh, you know the guy that he's replacing in some ways, um, even though Mike Denbrock was not offensive coordinator last year. And one last note on that: if you look at Brian Kelly's last four offensive coordinator hires, they had a combined one year of or combined two years of FBS offensive coordinator experience. So again, this sort of fits. With that mold of finding somebody who's a little bit more of an up and comer than, you know, this established big name offensive coordinator, which I think is is popular on message boards, but not practical in reality. You know, I don't know. Um, uh, I'm not sure that everybody realizes how many since 2012. How many years has Brian Kelly called the plays? One. One year. One, right. One year yeah. in between Martin and then elevating to Denbrock to that role in 2015. Yeah. So it was 14 with so, Everett Golson. Yeah, so for the last five years, he has not called the plays. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it. I don't know. It Play calling is a weird thing because the way that he presents it as it's not important, it's collaborative, yada, yada. The way that it came out with Mike Dembrock leaving seems that it's really damn important because that was one of the reasons he left is because he was being demoted from play caller to just receivers coach. Instead of do that, he goes to Cincinnati where he definitely will call plays because Luke Fickle is not calling offensive plays where he can be the offensive coordinator. And I, it's to me, it's, it's really unfortunate that things broke the way they were because of all the staff changes, this is the one that I don't want to say it hurts Notre Dame the most. But I think in some ways it's the toughest to replace because it was a really good position coach. I think receivers have been good since he's coached them. Tight ends were obviously good when he coached them. And he's a quality recruiter on top of that. And just like he passes the good guy test as well. Like yeah. Everybody yeah. likes Mike Denbrock, so it's it's difficult for Notre Dame to replace that. And I think players respect him too. Yes. Like and respect uh, go hand in hand with him. I think once you're stripped of those duties... Oh yeah, I, I mean I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's I, hard. I, I know people. Be. A lot of people are talking about lateral move. Whatever. Look, the guy's a football coach. He's been calling plays for Notre Dame for the last two years and averaged thirty-four and thirty points a game. Yeah, uh, it'll be hard to stay if you're stripped of those duties yeah. for somebody. It just, especially because now I know the offense wasn't great last year, but especially because you think maybe that's not the side where you have to make the deal. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think people. I don't think any of us thought, and I don't think any fans were thinking it's terrible that Mike Denbrock's losing the play calling duties, though. Even though all those things we have all said about him are true, I think they almost. I think they need a fresh. I I, I don't think the offense was fresh anymore by the end of this past season. No, I, but uh, to me, I think that that's an issue with the playbook as much as the play caller. Sure, sure. Um, uh, the approach, the overall approach. Yes, yeah. and the overall approach needed to change. So now, I mean, Notre Dame's in a situation where, in one off season, the Setting up a, a, a do-or-die year for Brian Kelly, you're replacing your offense coordinator, your defense coordinator, your assistant head coach, your strength and conditioning coordinator, your special teams coordinator, your special teams coordinator, <laughs> um, 
it's it's tough, man. Um, and I, I think I think Denbrock is a real loss on the recruiting trail. You know, it's certainly Long's reputation as a recruiter is uh, more established than his reputation as a coach. That's that's fine. Uh, Brian Polian coming back, recruiting was mentioned prominently in that press release as well, and understandably so because he's a very good recruiter. Notre Dame needs to rec- at least recruit as well as they are, but probably improve it. Um, and hope maybe these two guys can do that, assuming they can recruit defensive linemen. The catch-22 of getting a bunch of good recruiters on staff is you have to have a second year for them. Brian Kelly needs to win this yeah, year. It doesn't right. matter who they're bringing in. Yeah, because right. if you're 7-5 yeah. and five and you have the number one recruiting class in the country, you might not be coaching it. Which is... I, it's fine for Notre Dame. Sure, like, but I'm saying those guys still come. Yeah, maybe if you're number one recruiting class in the country, you're seven and five. Like, eh, let's give it up. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, it's dropped in the number four class. <laughs> right, I think you're okay. But so we're, I'm sorry. Would you? Go, no, go would you guys agree? Talk about all the change. Did the real systemic change though is defense? Like they all have to learn a new defense. They're not all learning a new offense. It doesn't matter what who they're bringing in, right? No, that's true, and that makes the transition a little bit easier. And Chip Long, I think would I would imagine that him and Brian Kelly are pretty much on. The same page offensively, so you know you can diminish the loss of Mike Denbrock as it relates to chemistry and those kind of things. But still need a quarterback coach, right? Still need a an official decision on the defensive line, strength and conditioning. You know, it's with Chip Long. Is he? You know, we've sort of been saying that Jeff Quinn would take that role, but Chip Long is a tight end. Yeah, now that that throws a different twist on things. you know, again, we still haven't heard anything that would dissuade us from right. saying that Jeff Quinn's going to be the tight ends coach. But um, you know, this change it could just be the it, offensive it's going, coordinator. Chip Long could just, be, just the be the offensive coordinator because they are adding and a, not coach a position. They are adding the t- tenth role, so it's not like you're wasting. Them yeah, out. I don't know. We don't have it all figured out. I, I you know, I, I, <laughs> I think that uh, there's so much. You know, everybody breaking news today, and there's so many outlets that that we're expected to do that all the time. The the people that are making these decisions are really trying for us not to know. I, I think sometimes that's forgotten <laughs> that they don't want us to know, and so sometimes it makes it a little bit difficult. Yeah, to just, know. Just from my conversation um, about Chip Long, he was hired before Christmas. Everybody found out a few days late. I mean, he was definitely hired before right. Christmas week because that's when right. the meeting was going to happen between. Mm-hmm. Um, by contacting him, so that's it's clearly uh, not everybody knew that right away. And that's, no. You know, um, strength sense. coach, it's, again, I think we've said this for a few podcasts, this is one of the more difficult ones to evaluate just because I don't think anybody, as much as they want to pretend, knows what a really good strength coach looks like. Um, but just from a sort of horse race aspect, what I've been told there is they have reached out slash targeted four different people uh, two of them turned them down. One of them was Aaron Wellman, who we've talked about on previous podcasts, who was here for a year between Michigan and taking over the New York Giants strength program. Um, that's going just fine, so he's going to stay. They also contacted a couple other candidates. Um, I'm assuming one was the guy who's uh, sort of an associate coach at, at USC, and they just weren't feeling that as a good vibe for them. Um, so... I think I'm having a hard time with that position right now. Maybe something will get announced in the next few days, but um, right later it, today, as yeah, it goes. Yeah, we're our podcast. As, yeah, <laughs> we are podcasting, so it'll be something tomorrow. Um, but it just sounds like they're having a a, hard, a difficult time finding the the right fit there right now. All right, switching gears a little bit. Um, the story that Pro Football Weekly put out about Brian Kelly and rumors and uh, about his agent 
um, you know, looking for a landing spot in the NFL. First of all, I mean, that was that was incre- an incredibly unprofessionally written piece. Someone that was our, not attributed to anybody. Someone on our board made a great point. <laughs> anybody on this board could have written that thing. Just put it out there. It, it was. That's what it was. It was terrible. It, it, was it doesn't just, even qualify as journalism. No, it was bad. It's bad. Put a byline on it. Yeah. <laughs> then, then we can get to the uh, the the actual content in the story. But until you put a byline on, again, whether it's a newspaper ad or an anonymous blog post, like anonymity doesn't really go with me uh, in terms of well, especially something like this is. The, first of all, it's a weird. Why would Brian Kelly at this point be looking to go to the NFL, and why is the NFL looking for Brian Kelly at this point, right? Yeah, again. It, last year, this yeah. would be like, whoa, 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 <laughs> this is a big deal after the Fiesta Bowl. You know, that would be a really big deal. But um, I don't think it's a really big deal. It's such a non-story now. It's not like the Rams and 49ers are thinking, man, got to get me some of that 4-8. No. <laughs> you, but you could have sold Brian I, Kelly last year. Look, maybe. Brian, Brian yeah, Kelly maybe, had, but much better. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Brian Kelly has a very aggressive agent. If if he's inquiring about things, I mean, don't, don't, don't most coaches, agents do that? Wouldn't wouldn't you think that that I mean that's their job is to inquire and we, we we've all known that Brian Kelly I mean he's not digging in for the long haul here at Notre Dame he 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 never really has he didn't after he played for a national championship yeah look it's at this point if his agent was reaching out to NFL teams I would be freaking livid if I was Jack Swarbrick right. um at this point sure. After all the yeah you've gone through to make sure that's he's staying with you yeah exactly well that's true. Yeah. That's, I mean, now, if this was happening in December, I would feel much differently about it. And I, I don't mean, like, two days ago, December. No, right, I mean, right. at the beginning of the month. Um, yeah, they've turned the page to Notre Dame. Yeah. Swarbrick has turned the page to 2017 Notre Dame football at this point. It's... Exactly. And you need Brian Kelly to be on that page with you, yeah. um, which I, I think that he is. So, we'll see how that Yeah, I think, yeah, I guess what I, I mean, you make a good point. I, I, I think that the agent in the coach don't always work in lockstep, but we don't hear about that. Then Pro Football Weekly puts out an unsourced story that's speculative and nebulous at best. And I and I you know I mean I just don't I don't know exactly what to think about Brian Kelly and what his agent is doing, but it was terrible journalism and it shouldn't have been presented in the manner we can that at least it was. comment intelligently on that. That we can see. Um, before we get out of segment one, I'm sure you guys both watched the semis uh, on New Year's Eve. Takeaways from an Iranian perspective, for me, the obvious, glaring, brutal one was Clemson's defensive line and Alabama's defensive line looks a lot different than what Notre Dame is putting out there. <laughs> and I think we had, a, we, we had a question on the last podcast about like, uh, basically it was five things and that do you think Notre Dame needs to improve and it was yes, 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 and yes. But I said... On that podcast, the hardest thing Notre Dame would could do, the hardest fix is improving the depth of their defensive line. Not just that, not just that the top guy is better, but all eight guys are better. And you watch what Clemson and Alabama do on the defensive line. Uh, they're number one and number two, I think, in sacks, or I think they're two and three actually in total sacks this year, as they were number one and number two last year when they played for the national title. Um, they don't matter that much. Though. Man, Notre Dame just they have they sacks have, don't matter. They, don't. they have so much work to do to get even in the ballpark with those teams at that position. I just don't until that happens. Well, what about what? I mean, I, I think you can throw Washington in there too. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, they I, played physical. I, I mean, I, yeah, I think 
when I look at the matchup, first of all, I mean, Urban Meyer, he got them to the playoffs when the, he lost his senior class last year and then lost his top 10 juniors. So he basically had his two oldest classes wiped out. They had, I think they have 74 players eligible to return. Yeah, I think they had 16 new starters, or 16 starters to replace right. off. So for him to get to the playoffs, I know they got in a hammered. rebuilding year. Yeah, I mean, I I know they got hammered, but yeah, they were outclassed and they got hammered, but they were in the he playoffs. Went Eleven and two, right? Exactly. And um, you know, so when I look at Clemson, Alabama, I think Clemson's offense has a better chance to be successful than Washington's did. Yes, but I'm not sure that Clemson's defense <laughs> has as much of a chance to be successful against Alabama. Alabama's offense is flawed. I mean, we, we, we see that. But their defense is so damn good that I don't think it matters. That's the I would go with that. But I, I think Clemson has a chance to be successful against them defensively against Alabama's offense. But Alabama's defense is it's unbelievable. This is supposed to be a down year for Alabama's defense. This year was supposed to be worse than last down year for Alabama. I mean, hmm. for coming back from They've this They've got year. 50 sacks. 50. They reached 50 the other a down, day. Uh, really? I don't remember ever knew. Yeah, that I don't was, remember that being that was, said. That was there are holes. With, there are holes that could be found in this defense. Jonathan Allen, Tim Williams, Minka Fitzpatrick. They're, they're good players. Ruben Foster. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, if you had like four first round picks, I wouldn't say that was a down year. Do. I'm not sure that they expect they five, to have usually, 50 yeah. sacks again. They had 50 some last year. Yeah, they were. It, it was an interesting conversation. It was on. A, uh, well, it started with Paul Feinbaum, but it was on his show that. Even though Alabama was picked first in the SEC West, that the rumblings were, this is this might not be an Alabama team that you're picking first. And he he's, he even mentioned he's like begrudging like ah, I penciled him in because it's Nick Saban in Alabama sure. and that type of thing. But it's they clearly were the best team. Yeah, the SEC I West. mean I understand offensively if you felt that way. Um, you didn't know, but you really Jaylen didn't think Hurts Hurts necessarily. Like how good is like he didn't even start at the beginning of the year. Right, right. Um, he was Blake Barnett, so. That I, there, so I can how, get you there. So how proud were you the other night? When Bo Scarborough yes. was like trucking people? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was pretty excited. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting there with my Alabama Bo Scarborough jersey that I've been waiting to wear for three years. <laughs> all, <laughs> all Irish Illustrated <laughs> subscribers. When Bo Scarborough does something, they think of Samson. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but boy, did he do something the other yeah, night. Yeah, um, that, that was a... <laughs> I mean, we saw him in Chicago at the Rivals 5-Star Challenge when he was really impressive playing wide receiver. Yeah, he good. He was <laughs> yeah. he was trucking people. All right. On that note, we'll jump into our questions in segment two. Uh, talk a little bit about the Under Armour All American Game, the Armor, the Army All American Game coming up this week. Uh, talk a little hoops and some questions from our readers. So all that next on Irish Illustrated Insider. Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. Before we get to our burning up the boards segment, we're gonna. Jump back to the uh, quite a comeback win for the Irish basketball team in Pittsburgh, Tim. Um, I think the going in they they had, had dropped two games in a row against kind of the heavyweights where looked awesome in the first half and just totally fell apart in the second half. This was a, a test of wills and then some clutch play. Scored six of the last seven points in regulation, eight of the last ten in overtime. We have access to to Coach Bray and, and the team today, and my question to him is going to be similar to what I'm going to ask the players. What is it about playing under Mike Bray that, I mean, that, they're just so damn resilient, especially on the road. It's incredible. They didn't, you know, Vastori didn't play well Not until, until he scored 10 of the last 12 points minutes, in the game. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you know, and, and VJ Beecham's having a hard time finding his rhythm here early on. But fortunately, two juniors, Bonzi Colson and Matt Farrell, have clearly been the, the best and most consistent players on this team. And, you know, young and artists are just men out there, and everything they were throwing up to the basket was going in. You just didn't think that they could win a game like that. And I've been in that atmosphere a couple times at Pittsburgh with the student body, and it's a tough place to play. But they found a way to win their sixth straight overtime game in 12 of the last 13. 12 of the last 13, yeah. Amazing. You know, in fact, Bray is, I believe, 21 and 10 in overtime. But six of those losses came in one season in a two-month span. Chris Quinn's senior year of 2006. Oh, yeah. They were 0 and 6, so he is otherwise 21 and 4 that's, that's in overtime. outrageous. Yeah, I mean, because that's, that's the close game coaching. You've got to make a little bit of a difference. And... He makes a little bit of a difference in overtime. It's you know their mentality is good. I think it's they continue to be a good team. We'll see Wednesday night against Louisville. That will be a real a real challenge. Um, but they stay on track. I mean, they had to steal probably one, one really just one road game yes, along no, they, the way um, to sort of get over the hump to be you know your ten and eight NCAA tournament type team, and they got one out of the gate. So it's. Beautiful time. Well, unless you turn around and lose at home to Louisville. But I think you can right? expect I mean, that's okay. get it back, but that's but okay. At some point, you'll play a dog <laughs> team down the road, yeah. like <laughs> on the road, which it won't be, you won't steal a win over a. Well, we thought that might be. 3 and 12. They yeah. do play at Georgia Tech, right? Yeah, we thought that might be the dog team, but play home and home. Josh Pastner from Memphis yeah. uh, looks like he's doing a pretty good job at Georgia Tech early because they beat North Carolina. North Carolina and Duke lose their road openers. Notre Dame wins their road opener. That's the important thing. Yeah. Uh, because you can lose one home game if you're Notre Dame. Right. Louisville is the allowable. Right. Louisville or Duke is the allowable game. You probably got to go 7-2 and two at minimum to go 7-2 and two gets you to at least 10-8 and because now Notre Dame with one road win will win at least three road games. And, you know, I mean, they and, and they're legitimately they're legitimately nine deep. Now, granted, 7-8-9 don't put in a whole lot of minutes. Tor, Austin Torres basically plays in the first half. Uh, but Seven's what very TJ, important. Number seven. You're about to say his Well, name. TJ Gibbs, yeah. yeah, what he did the other day, and, I, and he scored seven points in 12 minutes, or I don't think, I no, those 12 it. didn't all come at that point. He scored like seven points in a five-minute span, really, when Vestori was in foul trouble. Vestori then comes in the game, and Pittsburgh goes on a uh, on a scoring streak and proceeds to take the lead back, and it's like, man, you know, you don't want to you you don't want Vastoria sitting on a bench, but Gibbs is doing a great job. While well, Vastoria comes in and does what he does, he's the most unemotional, even keel, straight line emotional guy you're ever going to find, and he got the job done. Martin Gebbin, ten points, nine rebounds, four for four, two for two, no turnovers. He's a good. He, if you look at you look at he. I mean, his numbers back it up. Do you, do you know what Martin Gavin was from the line last year? 10 for 10. Is it 0 for 0 in the ACC? I'm sure it Probably. was. But, <laughs> right? what I, my, but my point is, now that he's playing more and he's shooting more, yeah. he does have a nice-looking free throw. You but don't think that he does? Bray said he's automatic. from the free, Bray's opening statement, or not opening statement, his opening <laughs> his, his opening co- press conference said he is, Martin Gavin is automatic from the free throw line, and I found it shocking. So I asked Martin Gavin. pretty damn good. I asked Martin Gavin, he goes, yeah, I'm pretty close to automatic yeah. from the free throw line. No, he's like, pretty good. Yeah, and we all know what Rex Fluger brings to the equation. So my point here is that, Man, they have a lot of weapons, and I know Vastoria and Beecham aren't playing real well right now, or or they hadn't been until Vastoria broke out late in the game. But they do have other people they can go to, and they are a legitimate nine deep team, which 
Have we ever said that about a Mike Bray team? I don't think we have. Yeah, they can go to nine, is the way I would say it. Because they, they're not they going go to go to they're not right, going to go no, to Matt Ryan could, right. every game. No, it's, but Matt, gonna... but you know Matt Ryan can come in and yes. hit a three for you. You know that TJ Gibbs can give you something. Fluger's six man. You know he can give you something. Torres is Torres. He's a veteran player and he's going to play hard and make a contribution at least in the first half. Yeah. So I mean, the conference play underway. They still look like a team that would you could pencil them in for at least one, maybe two wins in the tournament. Um, and again, it's after back-to-back Elite Eights. I don't think anybody thought that they were going to go back-to-back-to-back Elite Eights. But, hey, they got they have a chance to, to do something pretty good the rest of the way, and they continue to be a very entertaining product, which I think sometimes people lose sight of yeah. when they're deciding whether they want to go to games or not because the rim basketball is really fun to watch. Um, shifting gears a little bit to recruiting – uh, I don't know if this would fall under the fun-to-watch segue, but uh, the Under Armour All-American <laughs> game was yesterday. Uh, Notre Dame fi- had five commits down there. David Adams, Avery Davis, Brock Wright, Robert Hainsey, and Paulson and Devo. Our Steve Hare was there covering that all week, I think, in terms of not just what we saw on Sunday in the game, but if you marry that to some of the practice coverage about what was good, uh, what wasn't, I think... Far and away, Brock Brock Wright and Robert Hainsey were the top two guys there, but Paul Sanadevo really was one of the bigger surprises, not just among Notre Dame guys, but all guys. He played receiver all week, had a very productive week of practice. Avery Davis and then David Adams sort of wrapping that up in terms of the top five. But, I mean, you look at Brock Wright just looks like a college tight end is supposed to look, uh, and he has looked that way since his junior year of high school. So... I think I'm very curious to see how Robert Hainsey and Brock Wright slot into the depth chart next semester uh, when they show up for spring ball because I think Brock Wright has a physicality to his game that's natural in a way that is not with basically every other tight end on the roster. Uh, And I think Robert Hainsey is maybe a poor man's Quentin Nelson um, in attitude, in build. Uh, He also wore number 56 in the game, but the way he plays, the way he's put together, just... The fact that he likes to beat people up, um, and the fact that he's a better guard than a tackle, I think that um, I think he's both those guys have a chance to be in the two deep next year. I'm not I'm not going to put Hainsey on that level. I, my comparison would be to to Steve Elmer, in that he's a physical guy. He's better suited for the interior. You thought maybe I, I wrote some things early on about Hainsey, thinking he could be an offensive tackle. I think I I, I was incorrect there. He's an offensive guard, but like Elmer, he's very physical. I think he has some balance issues that maybe Nelson didn't have. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, let's see. I think he's very promising. Clearly, Brock Wright was good from start to finish all week. Yeah. And he has an explosiveness out of his stance, whether he's attached or whether he's detached as a receiver. Um, that's very, very impressive. So yeah, I mean, I, I love him. I think you know what did I say to you before we started? I said David Adams has to be hurt. Yeah. And, and as he it was, turns out, <laughs> uh, yeah, he said that he is playing with a, a, a torn UCL, UCL. Um, and some other injuries, and he needs to spend a while rehabbing before he shows up in the summer. Um, you know, he's a box middle linebacker. That's fine. You need those two, but he's you know not your classic, um, you know, three down linebacker. No, he's not a three. Well, I mean, it's really hard I mean, to tell be, with, it, with the yeah. I mean, it's really hard to tell with the injury. I mean, he but. Yeah, those are all things that I wrote down. This is not a three-down linebacker. He can't go sideline to sideline. You know, he took bad angles. That he's he's banged up, and so I, I don't think we've really seen what he can do. Adebo's interesting 
I mean, he looks like a wide receiver. He caught one pass. It was a little, he was in a slot. And he did a little turnout and, and took it up the sideline for, for 17 yards. Um, some guys play in an all-star game when they're banged up and injured, and some guys choose not to play in the yeah. bowl game when they're yeah, absolutely fine. Exactly. <laughs> so and I it, take his approach. Yeah, and, and, and Avery Davis quarterbacks, it's so difficult to evaluate quarterbacks in those types of How, games. I could not stop thinking about Everett Golson when I watched him play. Avery Davis. And I don't mean that in I don't mean that like, oh, he's fumbling the ball over the but just like the this his his stance, his posture, the oh. way the ball comes out, um there's just the way he runs. It's there's so much about him that reminds me of Everett Golson. You know, he's undersized, the ball's getting batted down yeah. a little bit. Um I'll be really curious to see how that shakes out because we don't know where Notre Dame's offense well, I, is going I mean, I, necessarily. But I mean, when he takes off, he moves. Um, there's there's some real nice dual threat ability there. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to throw the football as well as as Golson no. did, but he's also going to be way further advanced in the read option. Although the first play, the first play that Davis ran, he totally misread it and gave the ball off and should have kept it. But Evaluate quarterbacks in those games. It's just right. so it's just so difficult. He's a good runner, and I mean, he's a guy that understands the read option, and that's going to be his strength. And he can throw it. I wouldn't put him in the category of Golson, but let's see how he develops. Uh, with Army this week down there, in addition to Jake Brown, will be Josh Lug and Cole Komet from Notre Dame's class. A couple targets worth uh, mentioning: Jameer Calvin. He's going to commit during the game. Foster Serrell going to commit during the game. I'd say Notre Dame's on the outside for both those. Well, Jameer Calvin's his lead recruiter and position coach is no longer at Notre Dame and Mike Denbrock, so that's pretty difficult. I think Foster Serrell has always wanted to go to Stanford, and we'll probably announce that during the game this weekend. But, you know, Oliver Martin is there too. That's a little bit more of a long game. Um, I think other one other recruiting note worth mentioning, going back to Under Armour's Ellis Brooks, four-star linebacker uh, from out east, said that he'll officially visit at the end of the month. Uh, he's a guy that Notre Dame was in on early before he committed to Duke, but then backed off that. Um, didn't watch him too much during the game, but he's got he's got decent size. Um, I think he'd probably play a couple different positions at linebacker. Uh, so that's that's an, an old name, but a new name relative to this class in terms of recruiting. And as I think you've, <coughs> if you've been on the site, uh, you've noticed that there are a bunch of new names popping up. Um, as Notre Dame is well aware, if they want to if they want to sign low twenties in this class, they're going to have to expand the board a little bit because it's um, they, they're not in on enough guys right now. Your thoughts on Jordan Pouncey decommitting from Notre Dame? Um, I I liked him. Uh, I think that it is my thoughts about him decommitting has it says a lot more about the fact they only have one other guy committed than anything that Jordan Pouncey is or is not. Um, I think Jordan Pouncey is a good player. But he's not the kind of player who's like, oh, that's really going to set the class back. Um, but it will, in a sense, if they can't find another receiver to come in. To sign, you run three wide as your base set, signing one receiver. That's unbelievable. That's not good. Yeah. I mean, that's the equivalent of signing two or three offensive linemen. Like, you might be able to get away with that once, but especially after last year, you had Javon McKinley, Kevin Stefferson, Chase Claypool. It looks like they'll hit on two of those. We'll see what happens with McKinley, but... All three of them played, which is again fine. Um, but you can you got to sign basically three every year. A class of one is it's, it's tough to deal with. In the previous year, they hit on at least two of the three in EQ Sanders and Boykin's pen. Boykin could be a player; he's pending. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of looked at the pouncy thing in, in collaboration with losing Corey Holmes. It's just a numbers thing. We're like, yeah. 
Corey Holmes wasn't going to start next year for Notre Dame, but if a guy gets hurt, you have a senior that could produce for you. Functionality of practice. And speaking of which, that's another class where they brought in two receivers. One became a converted running back and one transferred after his junior year. So you are are getting a numbers hit, and I think we both talked about this on the board. You now need four wide receivers next year, in addition to one more this year. Yeah, exactly. And of those four, three of them better be pretty good. You can't, (laughs) I mean, you can't go, you can't go half half there. Yeah, well, I know, but I mean, realistically. Yeah, yeah, they don't have, I didn't like Jordan Pouncey on film. I mean, I said it in a film review months ago, but to your point, Pete, and both of you guys, I mean, you need the bodies. Yeah. I'll... And and so it hurts. It it hurts losing him just from a number standpoint. I thought he was a three star player. I don't I don't think he's an Which impact he player. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's an impact player. Uh, but manu- we weren't very sure about Kevin Stefferson either, and right. he's an impact player. They manufactured a three star player, the equivalent of a three star player, two classes ago in Chris Fink. However, for bodies, because he does help the depth chart. He's a, he's a really good backup slot receiver yeah. as you go on in life. But as you go on through his career, he'll, he'll be here. He'll probably get a fifth year. He's gonna he's people are gonna know that guy's yeah, name he's forever. Got three, he's got three so, but you need to bring in guys that are big time playmakers. So Chris Fink can be your as a junior, your, as a senior two years from now, your sixth best receiver instead of right now the guy you're putting in the game against USC. Yeah, there was a discussion about this on the board. Uh, People were talking about. If you watch the Under Armour game, there's a kid named Jeff Thomas from East St. Louis who Notre Dame is not involved with and never will be involved with. But I mean, he looked very, very good in the game. Um, he's and, uncommitted, not because he's not good, right? Uh, he's probably like Illinois is his lead school. Um, point being, Notre Dame needs some more receivers, and the discussion sort of devolved into like, why is Chris Fink playing? And again, it goes back to some of the previous players who have played. In spite of maybe better athletes being behind him, it's like Chris Fink beat out C.J. Sanders and Corey Holmes for reps last year. That's not not a Chris Fink problem. No, it's um, not. But ideally, yeah, I, I agree with the sentiment. You would want more talented guys to be competing to take those reps away from Chris Fink yeah. down the road. Um, and right now, with having just one guy come in, Michael Young potentially, that's probably not going to happen. And that, that's, that's not, a good, not a good situation to be in. Pat Eilers wasn't the best athlete on the field. Right, and he's you know, he probably didn't do a pro career too. He had to yeah. move positions, but yeah. no, it's yeah, it, it's a numbers thing at wide receiver. It's a numbers thing in yeah. offensive line. It's a numbers thing in defensive line. It's a numbers thing at cornerback, and cornerback is where they have the numbers working out right now, yeah. and they got to work on it. All right, let's get into our questions, starting with fresh sixteen nineteen. What should Brian Kelly's New Year's resolutions for the program be? <laughs> is he going to go New Year, New Me, or something? <laughs> I didn't see him tweet that out with a hashtag on New Year's. Um, I would say a better commit. I, a more full, holistic approach to recruiting. More everybody all in on this, and then please just go find me a six foot six, two hundred thirty five pound weak side defensive end. That's it. That's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> You're telling yourself, or you yeah. telling there. Yeah, I will too. I'm gonna use, I'm gonna borrow from the late great Bill Walsh. He put up a sign. I will not be out hit at any time this season. If Nordave's not physical. Notre on a physical offense and a physical defense. Brian Kelly won't be back. They have to be more physical in every way. Offense, defense, and special teams. That means you have to... I don't know what that means schematically. I'm not a head football coach. <laughs> that means you have to run the pistol instead of the sideways thing where you run sideways at the one-yard well, line and lose a well, yard. Unless he's going to open his mind about what Chip Long has to suggest. And unless there's some things that Chip Long is going to run that we haven't seen on the film. And defensively. And Mike Elko's got to bring a more physical well, approach they had last year. Yeah. I mean, he's got to maximize what they... You can be physical no matter how good you are. Like, Boston College's defensive linemen are physical defensive linemen. Nobody wants them. 
until they get to Boston College and you watch them play and you're yeah. like, why are there no holes? This is strange. Because they're a physical approach. It's you can be a three star physical guy. You can't be. It's true. You can tackle people. I'm, I'm skeptical yeah. of this. You can't beat Alabama, but they're not on the schedule. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Just Alright, well we have a question I'll go later, so I don't want to get in I wanted to share some thoughts on on his side of the ball. But yeah, you're right. I mean that's you don't you don't have to have a whole lot of athletic talent to be a physical football player. I'm not saying you're gonna win the national title. You need guys that can run, but you need you can be physical as a lineman no matter what. Well they're not a very physical football team right now. Uh, Chicago Cub fan and while Chip Long may be the new offensive coordinator, he will be running Kelly's offense. Will his role be similar to that of Mike Sanford? Do you expect him to be allowed to at least tweak the offensive scheme? If so, what tweaks would you expect or like to see? I think that he will have a bigger role than what Mike Sanford did, probably because Mike Denbrock's not there anymore. Um, good point. So I think there's more opportunity for the offensive coordinator, the young turn-the-room-upside-down guy, uh, to come in and, and actually do that because there will be less resistance to it from guys who are already here. And I Look, also, the fact that Notre Dame went 4-8 and eight in a weird way probably helps Chip Long's case to be like, hey, let's do something else. Because what you did last year sort of got a little bit stale. So that's I, I think that he'll be able to do more. The tweaks, I think some more sophisticated run-pass option type stuff. It's, and it's not, look, it's not like Notre Dame doesn't do a lot of that now. Um, I think they could do more of it. But I watching the Houston game... I felt like their running game was a little bit more creative and less deliberate with, here's the mesh point. I'm putting the ball in. Now I'm taking the ball out. Now I'm putting it. Like It, it just seemed to move faster, and there was a more of a, I don't know, just, just more of a pace, a more of a, like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go. And like Notre Dame's offense over the last few years has been like, slow down, check with me, check with me. Yeah, again. it's like tempo. I mean, and, and Notre Dame's not the only one that does this, but how many times do you see a team, they start out in tempo? And then before you know it, it's I mean, it's gone. I, I You're saying that Chip Long maintains that tempo throughout I th- the I game? I think that tempo well, will then, be then more that, of That a, would be a good thing to build def- upon. The default setting will be tempo opposed to it. Oh, this cha- the tempo was a change of pace. I feel like the default setting... Should be tempo because that's what got Brian Kelly the job at Notre yeah. Dame. This is the default setting being tempo. That's what he ran. But I, I do think my first look at this question was, of course, nothing's going to change by hiring a new offensive coordinator. However, Brian Kelly could not have brought Chip Long here if he brought him into the interview and said, "All right, here's the deal. You're our new offensive coordinator. I'm going to call the place. Um, you really don't have any input on any of, any of your structures or anything. We're not really going to put that in. But I would like to give you my offense, and you could put the game plan together, and then I'll call the place, and we'll and we'll pretend we're both doing it. <laughs> that wouldn't have that, that would not have done it. So yeah. he has to have. Obviously, he's bringing him in for a fresh voice in some way. I hope yeah. yeah. Just... And he probably told Mike Sanford the same thing. And where's Mike Sanford today? Head coach. Different situation. He's now he's now a head coach. Uh, Helmet six twenty two. Jerry's Jackson or Tommy Reese for quarterback coach. Which one do you pick? Uh, I know. Who are I the, don't know. Are those are the only two from which we can you, choose. You must hire a former Notre Dame quarterback to coach Notre Dame quarterbacks. I know who I picked for quarterback. Yeah, um, but I would go. I don't know anything about Jarius Jackson's coaching ability. Um, I do like the fact that I've always said Jarius Jackson would be the best quarterback in Notre Dame history for this current offense. So I don't know. Maybe he would be good for that. But I mean, Tommy Reese knows. Tommy Reese knows his stuff. Tommy Reese is going to be a coach somewhere at some point. The point here is. Would Tommy Reese really be the quarterback coach at a power five or a 
a school like Notre Dame if he wasn't Notre Dame's ex-player from three years ago. I mean, would, who knows? Let's yeah. Would Autry Denson be the running backs coach? Yeah, probably not. Todd Light. Yeah. I mean, Ron Paulus from back before? Um, probably not. And look, Tommy Reese is probably going to be out of a job because they're cleaning house in San Diego. If that's the case, I think Reese would be a very good quarterbacks coach here. Um, I, you know, somebody posted this on our message board about him being a buffer between <laughs> killing the quarterbacks. I think it's exactly yeah. what he would do. Um, and I, again, he's got the coaching background. I think he's wired the right way. You know, the offense has evolved quite a bit from when he was here. But I think that he's. I think that it'd be good. I think it'd be a good match for for Brandon Wimbush and whoever they have coming in behind him, whether it be Avery Davis or Ian Book or or Jakovic after that. What are I, your thoughts on Jarius? Uh, you know, I covered I covered Jarius Jackson. Uh, I know him pretty well. I spoke to him a couple weeks ago. He definitely was interested in the job. I haven't spoken to him since, but it's my understanding. It's my understanding that Jackson has not received a call from Notre Dame. So. That doesn't appear that that's going to happen. He has more coaching experience um, in that he was quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator in Saskatchewan in the the CFL. So he's been in the game a little bit more. Um, I would probably choose somebody other than one of those two. Uh, But if if asked to choose between the two, I think I'd, I'd choose Reese, who... Personality wise, is he the isn't he the Steve Vestoria? Of yes, Notre Dame. That's a great. I mean, they're very great. they're very similar in that. I think Tommy, Tommy Reese might is, think he has a better jump shot though. He was pretty high on his own yeah, jump shot at one point. I in think his life. I think quietly Tommy Reese is a little bit more of a snide <laughs> personality, but 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 they are very similar. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, probably good with a young quarterback that has to play early. Yeah, all right. and that's the situation they're in. Dashing Domer, how do the coaching changes move the bar in recruiting, positive or negative? Answer your own question there, uh, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they do move the bar uh, in recruiting, positive or negative. I, I want to know and learn more about what Chip Long brings to the table. Um, you know, If he's as good as a recruiter as everyone says, that's that's a good place to be. Um you know, but Mike Jembrock was a good recruiter. Was he great? Probably not, but he was good. Uh, Mike Sanford, I think, had a potential to be great, and certainly they signed the quarterbacks that they wanted to sign uh, when he was here. So that's that's a positive. Um, so it's like you have Long and Pauline coming in, <coughs> Sanford and Denbrock leaving, Elko coming in. I mean, Elko or Van Gorder is yeah. a positive to Elko because Van Gorder essentially was a zero in terms of recruiting. It Aruda Bega uh, yeah. is a, an improvement <laughs> yeah. on the recruiting trail. So. It's like it's a fly coach. You have to bring yeah. it along. I've never had a Rutabaga, <laughs> but it just came to mind. I want to see what you know. How do they round out the rest of the staff? Because if if Jeff Quinn gets promoted to a position, I don't see him as a dynamic recruiter. Um, I think in some ways it would it would be it's it's just going to be yeah maybe, maybe slightly better, but just maybe and definitely just slightly. Well, Polian's going to you know he's going to go both feet in. He's going to attack the hell out of the rest of the recruiting campaign. Yeah. Can he make a difference with one, two, three, four guys? You know, I don't, I don't know. At this stage, really, really difficult. You're down to a month. Throw out this month. What do you feel for 2017 with the net changes? Yeah, I mean, for the 2018 class. I mean, for the 2018 class, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that it will be... I You know, I just don't know because they're they're selling four and eight right, right. now. They're selling coach on the hot seat. I mean, that's... that. That trumps how good of a recruiter you are because the product you're selling, and Notre Dame's coaches will admit this to you, uh, probably not with a microphone in their face, but like 
it's kind of tough right now to get out and recruit for Notre Dame because of everything that's going on. Um, it's just they they need signing day to come and go. They need to get two or three more guys. Um, we'll see if it's next level guys. We'll see if it's guys that have decommitted from other schools or they can close on the two or three long standing targets they've had. But they this season needs to the season just keeps going with every staff change. And some of the like the pro football weekly garbage, like they just they need to get to signing day and then move on to the next cycle because I I really think the 2016 season will end on February 1st, 2017, with national signing day. And that point, Notre Dame can move forward and flush what happened all last fall and what's been happening over the last two months. Final question is from Uganda. Does Notre Dame have the talent on defense to improve? Realistically, how much difference can a new defensive coordinator make if you don't have the talent? <laughs> well, they, they just hired a coordinator that got 41 sacks with two- and three-star guys. So I think a defensive coordinator can make a difference. My concern is that there's just not enough talent along the defensive line to make the kind of difference that you would like. But that's where Elko comes in. You know, you watch film of Elko, and his ability to time blitzes up the middle with his linebackers and off the edge with his cornerbacks it doesn't happen by accident. You just mm-hmm. you can't. You've got to be a disciplined defense in order to pull that off and to have the type of productivity they've had at getting after the quarterback. Look, there's never a complete compensation for a lack of talent. You're not playing in a. You're not playing on January 9th if you don't have the talent that those two teams have. But he's got to do more with less. And right now, Notre Dame has less defensively. Yeah, these guys can all improve. But right now, I think Notre Dame has a really good second and third string defensive line. But they're playing first and second string. Yeah, Notre Dame. I mean it that way. I think they. they are, I think yeah. if you had now, now Tillery should going to his junior year should become a first string, a, a starting right. defensive lineman. But mm-hmm. as of what we have seen, Trombetti has not reached that point. If you had those, if you had Cage, Tillery, Dalen Hayes, and Khalid Kareem and Trombetti and Bonner, from what we have seen only. You'd be like, those are really quality backup defensive linemen going behind a starting front four of yeah. Capron, Lewis Moore, Lewis Nick, Stephon Tewitt, and Sheldon Day. Those guys would be really, that would be exactly what you want. Good about that. So they really need a lot of those guys to step up and become legitimate first string starting linemen. I agree. And I, I, you're going to start saying that I'm, I'm uh, going to the uh, area where I went with Taylor McNamara with Darnell Ewell. <laughs> but I really think that Darnell Ewell's a guy that comes in and makes an impact right away. He's He's quick. He's physical. I mean, that's his strength, and I think he's a guy that can make a contribution, especially they need him too. They have to. They yeah. do. I mean, if Daniel Cage can play as a freshman, Darnell Ewell can play as a freshman. How good? I don't know, but he can make an impact. So that's one guy you throw into the equation. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, it's just it's symptomatic of what O'Malley's talking about. Is like Darnell Ewell would that'd be a great guy to like maybe redshirt or he's like your eighth or seventh best defense. I don't think they're going to have that luxury. He's got to be like, well, maybe he's fifth. Uh, Is he fourth? I don't know. It's up for debate. Um, That's just sort of where Notre Dame is on the defensive line right now. I think that you need Julian O'Quara and Dalen Hayes to be the weak side rushers that Notre Dame has not had um, in years. That one needs to be in the mix and nose tackle too as well. I, he showed he showed a spark. So if he can take to the next step, well, Cage he showed can't a play spark. Sixty five snaps, right? With Cook. I think that's that where, might, that's, it might be twelve snaps. That's where Darnell Ewell plays. I think. I think. It, yeah, I think it will be Cage and Ewell on the on the inside. Tillery and Bonner or Hayes. It's either because either either Bonner is inside or Hayes is inside, and the other one is outside. And probably Jay starting Hayes, yeah. Jay Hayes. I mean. Yeah. 
Uh, then Dalen Hayes and Okwara outside. I don't, I don't really know what else they do. Khalid Kareem. Khalid Kareem, yeah. Yeah, so I think that those are, to me, your top eight are probably Yule, Cage. First, by the way. I know. Yeah. <laughs> See, you're getting it. You're getting it. Brain. So, yeah, I mean, your, your top eight are probably true freshman in Yule with Cage. Uh, interior, let's say it's Tillery and Jay Hayes. Then you've got Bonner and Khalid Kareem outside, and then Dalen Hayes and Julian Okwara. I think and those. Because he's a senior. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it's I, just the way it's. I mean, yeah, Trumbody will play somewhere. Chance, yeah. um, I would think he'd be more in a stand-up role. I think so too. I, right. And uh, some you throw, roles, maybe throw Magwood another body on the inside. I mean, it, it. You need you need very very quick development. You need Khalid, you need Khalid Kareem to be. Physical to make a big yeah to, yeah <laughs> yeah sticking with the, my yeah, theory I mean he needs to make <laughs> yeah. a big jump and then uh, you talk about Tillery Tillery's got to make a, he's still I agree but I mean that he should be ready but he still has to make a huge jump oh yeah a, a massive jump They're yeah like, I'm just saying we wouldn't have so many visible warts for most guys going to their junior year like we had for Tillery because he had to play as a true freshman on a team that was contending for a for a playoff oh, berth, yeah. that he was the main guy inside. Yeah. I mean, they they lost their they lost their. No, we don't. And we don't have a complete. Are we forgetting anybody that's in the mix there? We don't have a complete list sitting here in front of us. So. I don't think not so. in the mix. But, I mean, I mean DG's down the road, right? I mean, what what they have at the back end is more than good enough to to win nine ten. The back games. seven, yeah, yes. yeah, and, yeah. Not just the back four, the back right. seven. Um, they've got a lot of material to work with, and you have a defense coordinator whose specialty right. is safety play. I mean, just think about if Notre Dame had better safety play the last two years, how many more games would they have won? I mean, this year alone, they would have won four more. Um, they would have flipped their record to eight and four, I think, at worst. Yeah, if they I had agree good with you. safety I, play. They had such bad safety play in September that that's a possible three and one start. Yes. Texas and Duke. Yep. Yep. So it's, uh, I, I do think that Mike Elko will make a big difference. And I do think they have probably better talent in the back seven than. Oh, what would be advertised? Their corners right. are good, but their defensive line is—it's going to be a challenge um, to get to get pressure to hold up. Um, you know, we don't know what's up with Daniel Cage in terms of the concussions. That's an issue moving forward. So they're, and it's a position where you're always suffering one or two serious injuries during the year. So it's it's just a difficult place for them to be right now. All right, I'm I I will not mention Darnell Yule's name first in a podcast. You got one of you two guys is going to have to do that the next time. February second, we will definitely mention his name <laughs> yes. in a podcast for you. Yeah, that's hope. all right. Well, that's it for another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back next Monday, uh, January 9th for our next podcast. Uh, wrap up the Army All American Bowl. I would think that Chip Long will be formally announced by then, and maybe we'll have some more coaching staff news on top of that. So until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider.